mean, it's a small country, right? So we can only yeah. grow together, right? To to feel like um, you can feed off of each other as opposed to having to, uh, you know, feel like startups can be a competition or even a threat to your own company. Instead, you, exactly. you if you understand that model correctly, they'd be like, oh, there's a lot of challenges, especially in the tech field, you know, as we're embarking on our digitization journey, there's a lot of challenges that we've come across. And why don't we solve them with the help of startup? Hello, and welcome to the Broad Mindset Podcast. Your host is me, Asteria Ambata Pirolla. I'm so excited to finally be broadcasting this show and hosting it all the way from Milan, Italy. Journey along with me together with an exclusive list of guests who are thought leaders, academics, creators, entrepreneurs, and scientists, all starting us off from the Namibian landscape. What are we talking about? Everything as it pertains to doing things better and mentally elevated to bring forth the best versions of ourselves in their respective industries. So listen along and hit the subscribe button or simply share an episode that deeply resonated with you. Stay soon. Ciao. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. My name is uh, Mikey. I'm a digital ambassador with uh, GIZ, so the German Development Agency. Um, been in the country over a year now. I think it's been 14 months. And uh, oh. my mission is to help thrive and, and build the Namibian startup ecosystem. So I work yeah. with uh, two organizations. Uh, one is Startup Namibia, which is a GIZ project. And then the other support organization is called Dololo, which is a privately owned company that um, yeah, also helps um, entrepreneurs uh, really develop to a next level or maybe also even ideas being, uh, let's say, shaped so that they become businesses. And yeah. uh, we mainly do that by working with um with companies that are interested in supporting young entrepreneurs and we help them design startup programs uh, yeah. in order to do so. Okay, interesting. You said 14 months and mm -hmm. that was, you You made quite, your, your traction already up for 14 months is impressive um, from what I could tell from you know, the external point of view because I've been really, also because of what I'm trying to do, it, mm -hmm. I've made it my responsibility to learn about the community, especially as it pertains to the startup community and the developments and how and some of the challenges as well that the guys are experiencing down at home. Mm -hmm. So moving on to the next point, um, what do you think has been your greatest strength in navigating those 14, within the 14 months that you've been in Namibia? What has been one of the greatest strengths that you, yeah, that you pulled from to, you know, to, mm -hmm. assist this, you know, to assist founders, um, to point them in the right direction in terms of resources, in terms of also scaling. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, perhaps you can speak about that. Um, my biggest strength, I think, are definitely in communications and uh, networking. Um, so what I've been trying to do is put those two together. So uh, on the one hand, I found that the startup community um, in Namibia was still quite or is still quite small. And there has mm -hmm. been lacking even in the whole country an understanding of what startups are even about. 
Like a lot yeah. of times, especially when speaking to public institutions, I felt what they were like, well, we have someone for an SME policy or we have an mm. SME banker or something. And I was like, well, you know, you can't really compare, you know, if you put SMEs in the same category as startups, then you haven't okay. understood that startups, yeah, there, there's different, different instruments and mechanisms uh, in need in order to support startups. Um, exactly. be it for the financing part or also for the for really the mentoring part um, yeah. so part of the communication work uh, that I felt like I needed to do was really put startups on the maps uh, on the map yeah. in Namibia um, so there has been a lot of um, networking and yeah communication strategy work that we've been doing around that um, we've also really tried to, to grow this startup ecosystem by um, providing more platforms for exchange. So bringing people together, um, the startups yeah. on the one hand, but also uh, senior entrepreneurs and more seasoned entrepreneurs and, and senior managers uh, from institutions, yeah. creating a platform for exchange um, to, to, to really yeah, grow. I mean, it's a small country, right? So we can only yeah. grow together right to to feel like um, you can feed off of each other as opposed to having to uh, you know feel like startups can be a competition or even a threat to your own company instead you, exactly. you if you understand that model correctly and be like oh there's a lot of challenges especially in the tech field you know as we're embarking on our digitization journey there's a lot of challenges that we've come across and exactly. why don't we solve them with the help of startups but that mindset still has to develop so we've been doing a lot of work on that yeah and uh, the last part, uh, yeah, the last part was really then on, more on a, on a micro level, which was always a, a lot of fun as well, is literally working very closely with different startups in the field, helping them wherever we could, mentoring them, yeah. uh, bringing them up to date with, you know, the latest communication trends or, or even helping them develop a communication strategy, for example, um, doing simple things like a SWOT analysis and helping them with business development. So that was something that I've, I've really enjoyed that was more on uh, the field, let's say the grass would work. Exactly. I love how you I loved how you condensed all of that and you said something really important. You said it's around mindsets. So mm -hmm. how do you shift the mindset that is used to doing one way it's set set in stone to do one to do something in one way and actually like show show the person a different light that you can actually optimize your your workflow a little bit better. And that's yeah. It's one of the reasons why, for example, um, that's what has given birth to, to this podcast, what we're doing with Billet, for example. We are saying that for the most part, um, which is an underrepresented area within Namibia, we're saying that, okay, in the absence of most organizations being able to, um, to, to fully recruit, for example, full-time staff members, you can, adopt the, you can adopt a different approach to hiring short-term short-term workers or freelancers that can bridge the gap between, you know, bridging exactly. the gap between you having a full-time staff member to, you know, the, the work eventually still gets done, but without, at the fraction of the cost. So mm -hmm. all of those conversations, yeah. it's, um, and as you said, a communication strategy as well. It's something really of important because you can have the strategy, but 
if, it, if you don't live the strategy or you don't fully understand the full scope of what it, why it's important for, for one, startups to, to be recognized as a driving force within an economy, then you may easily miss the mark. But absolutely, yeah. So bring us to the next slide. Yeah, next conversation. Just to say that, okay, in the absence of, um, not in the absence, but we have now a thriving community, and I'm speaking of obviously optimistically about it because I am super interested and super inspired about just some of the work that the youth has been able to innovate. And you can really see that it's guys that are trying to do things better. They are trying to, you know, to compete with compete at a global level. So what would you say or what are your thoughts around um, some of the startups guys that are already, some of these companies that are already thriving within the country to adopt a different way of recruit, recruitment, for example, which is a challenge for one if you're scaling a startup. You need manpower, right? But mm -hmm. at, the, at the fraction of the cost, do you think there is a, an understanding of using alternative ways to recruit staff members within the startup community? I feel like within the startup community, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, the, the big question will be uh, how long will it take and how much lobbying does it still take uh, for this to to reach the, the corporates, right? And maybe even public yeah. institutions. But I feel like in the startup world, no, definitely. So a lot of the startups that we know Yes. They wouldn't have even been able to build their solutions due, in particular, to the to the shortage of um, developers in Namibia yeah. without having to fully, a hundred percent, rely on freelancers. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, there are some people that haven't even like even once met their developers face to face because yeah. they, you know they're sitting in I don't know Eastern Europe. South Africa would probably be the closest, but um, it wasn't even um, it wasn't even purely a choice. It was a necessity due to the lack of, especially like tech skilled mm -hmm. people here in the country. And I think yeah. once you've realized that that this is really, um, and I've also worked as a freelancer before. I've really enjoyed that. I think both for the freelancer and for the company, this is a great plus. Um, yeah. Once you've come to realize that this is actually work, once you, uh, once you have also built the trust in someone external helping you with your business and maybe seeing that maybe in particular this external expertise has helped you because mm -hmm. there's someone coming in completely fresh with a completely fresh eye, you know, with a bird's eye on, on yeah. your business, you know, as opposed to having been with you sitting all day and then, um, you know, in Germany we have the saying, you, know, you, you can't see the tree in the, in the wood yeah. anymore, you know? Exactly. Um, so I feel like once you've experienced that with maybe just one person, you know, um, there's an, an, an easy way to, to depart from there and say, well, we need a, we're in the need of a graphic designer to, to fine tune our pitch deck for this next event. Why don't we hire someone for like five hours, uh, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely... Uh, would say yes. I'm not so sure really about the big uh, companies, so that would be something yeah. that would really still have to be lobbied for, you know. And since you were questioning or, or commenting on that earlier, I think this is also such a communications thing, yeah. uh, you know, to achieve. It's just case studies, case studies, case studies, probably not just showing how it works, showing yeah. how it's beneficial for both sides 
highlighting different examples of people that have worked in companies for a short time exactly. or maybe for a long time over three years you know only on a monthly basis or a few hours per month um, and exactly. I think we will get there. I definitely think that this will be a growing trend also with the new generation now coming out of university, being more yes. used to working remote, studying remote due to two years of COVID. I mean, this is only working in a way in your favor. Um, exactly. The syllabus as well. Yeah, and I love that. And um, everything that I'm currently also doing, um, it would mm-hmm. fall under the umbrella of freelancing and more of a, yeah, being a strategist in some of the, the companies that I'm consulting with. But I've never in a million years thought that this is what I'll be doing. But yes. I love it. I love right. the flexibility. Yeah, I love the... Like right now, you know, you I can control basically my work schedule. Mm-hmm. I can move around in a week span. I can say that, okay, I can devote mental energy to strategizing for a startup on this and this and that. And I didn't have that as an option growing up for one and the time when I was still living in Namibia. And I want to really show people that, look, we need to, in as much as we do need to make a living, there are other ways of doing so, you know, at the fraction of the cost. And also just, you know, your productivity levels are um, maximized, which really also brings, yeah, which brings me to the next point as well to say that, our way of working for one, we work, the traditional way of working is 40 hours per week, the African way of working in a physical place. But within that 40 hour, um, 40 hour uh, work time frame, how many hours are you really productive? And that's what freelancing for one really, it, it all boils down to the outcome and your productivity and being very efficient with, um, with the hours that you're allocated. So if we could have that shift which obviously would start with communication and a lot of lobbying to see the bigger picture that you don't, if you can, if you can accomplish a task within five hours, let's, let's rather do that instead of spending 20 hours on something that really requires, you know, mental energy of two hours. Exactly. So, New cool. I mean, the cool shouldn't be, oh, I've worked, you know, I've been in the office until 10 o'clock again, da, 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 you know, just, just to show you, exactly. you your boss maybe that you have. Instead, it should be, wow, I was done in four hours and I was actually able to spend some time with my daughter. And exactly. I think that, the, the, that point of, of um, our family arrangements as well and managing um, to spend quality time with your kids you know, yes. that I choose and when my daughter's in bed at 7 8 p.m., you know, to do another hour of work, no problem, you know. But exactly. having the freedom and the flexibility to choose that and be there for her as opposed to, like, feeling, I, I you know, I need to warm uh, my, my office my seat. chair yeah. you know, until, until 5 p.m., you know, there's absolutely no need for that. Exactly, and that's also where a lot of people... Do. The focus then becomes less about you doing the work than, you know, instead of just, you're just sitting there to, you know, as I said, warming a seat. But yeah. it's costing the organization in the long run as well. It's costing the productivity of, the, the efficiency of the work being done, you know, optimally. And that's really, I dropped these words and I'm really a living proof of it to say that your outcome is what's more, the value of what you're producing is what's important. We do not, we need to step away from the policing of a soft member 
to actually have that complete mind, mindset shift to say that there are way, there are better ways of working and you know people can also do whatever else that they're doing outside of their work hours so yeah. given that do you what is i'm talking really futuristically and this is specifically starting from a namibian point of view do you anticipate that happening anytime soon um um, taking into consideration everything else that we spoke of, communications and what drastic ways needs, yeah, what drastic approaches needs to happen for for us to reach that le- that peak level where people can say that okay, organizations rather can say that look, guys, I think we do need to have a complete turnaround strategy, particularly as it pertains to our recruitment strategies. What are your thoughts yeah. around that? I mean, I think it can't get more drastic than COVID, right? And COVID has really right. uh, showing showing us how modern work-life balance or, or modern uh, work can also look like, you know, when we weren't able to, to see colleagues for months and somehow it still worked miraculously, you know? Um, so right. I think there's definitely momentum and we need to keep riding on that wave. Um, I don't think that there's going to be a a pre-COVID status quo in terms of working. Like, I think people will eventually, I mean, this is what I see at least in Europe, people are like only now slowly returning to their offices, but but the essence of that change um, is going to remain, I think, that um, there is going to be the possibility for anyone to choose to stay in home office on a particular day. You know, and that is very, yeah. very valuable. I think um, for Namibia, I do. I, I wouldn't see why this this growing trend would wouldn't also, um, yeah, really, really fully um, thrive here. You know, I think uh, with the new generation also pushing for it and asking for different things in their work uh, work life. I think this is also something important. The new generation, if you ask them, do you like, you know, do you want money or do you want flexibility and freedom? A lot of them would, you know, rather be able to work from uh, Cape Town, you know, enjoy the freedom yeah. and then earn a few bucks less, you know. Um, exactly. Um, so I think this is also the values and what, what the new generation will push for as they come out of university and uh, develop more in like have uh, skills that they are very good at that mm-hmm. are, um, are very suitable also for freelancing, you know, uh, exactly. in the field of graphic design, especially in the field of digitization and digital skills. You know, that just yeah. adds for, you can really work for anyone in the world. And there's going to be also great uh, opportunities if you really develop, for example, more coders here in Namibia. They can earn a lot of money if they would work for a European company. And European companies, doesn't matter if you sit wherever, especially that you have the, the, um, the advantage of Namibia being in the same time zone. Exactly. So and you don't even have a shift in, uh, you don't have to calculate, you know, when you're doing calls and stuff. Uh, exactly. I was back at fourth or whatever. No, I know. it's a time zone. It's brilliant. I know. Yeah, just to digress a bit, that time zone aspect and consideration is a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> you literally spend time like, okay, okay, what time will it be on your time at this time? It's, it's crazy. It can get really crazy. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, but I'm, I'm super really passionate about this conversation because, like I said, 10 years, 
15 years ago, um, just even thinking of the possibility of working anywhere in the world, plus still having to you know, enjoy the quality of life and enjoy the flexibility that comes along with that is really something that I want people to, to get the bigger picture of it. And one of the, con the entry points to this conversation that all these, for the, for the most part, some of the people that I spoke to is to say that look at the trends. You know, trends are a great indicator as to the future that we're moving towards. It's not to say that we have to drastically, um, you know, rush into it, but it's for us to pay attention to what is important right now. And mm -hmm. if we're talking about, you know, what has happened within the U.S. demographics, the great resignation, for one, that, for one, I think as an employer or within an, a recruitment um, department, that should already give you insight in terms of what do people need we all do need to make a living that's but what what has shifted is our our values you know wanting to spend more time at home um which is it has always been there but now people have realized after the pandemic that look this is i could actually drop dead in the next hour and i would be replaced so i need to pay more attention to the things that aren't you know, aren't rooted in materialism. Yeah, yes. And, uh, yeah, and not for, I think, from purely from a Namibian point of view, I think the adoption of anything is really rooted in people not understanding the context. Why would you want to, you know, not totally going remote, but you can opt for right now as a strategy within, and I'm giving this away on this podcast, but drafting a recruitment strategy or redrafting your recruitment strategy that has a, a hybrid component in your work systems, that would put you, it would put you at the front line with, um, within whatever industry that you're operating in. And that's currently what I'm doing, like in terms of consulting with some, some of the organizations here. They are realizing that, the, okay, remote working is great, but they're also fine-tuning things that we need to pay attention to if we're going to be having digital workspaces. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and we're not talking replacing the whole team, right? I do also exactly. think, I, I do strongly believe that face-to-face that -face is important and will always remain important, right? But yeah, you can have um, key components and key people in your team that you do not need to see on a daily basis. Exactly. And um, I also think that it will help stay innovative in a way. Um, and also, yeah. especially when it comes to the creative work, um, you know, there's a reason why, uh, why, for example, design agencies, you know, uh, yeah. pitch for companies, uh, big projects, but only on a yearly basis, because you may have other freelancers with a completely different take on doing design, and that would be very valuable valuable for the country, uh, for the yeah. company, sorry, to also for the next project embark on that journey with someone else, you know, because you can see you take the strength out of each person and the different exactly. skill set and the different design, you know, approach, and you you will be able to to embrace that as opposed to working you know, with the same graphic designers, you know, for five or eight years where his creativity uh, level will, will gradually, um, you know, be reduced, I would say, you know. Yeah. He would also or she would also thrive a lot more 
when after one year would be working for a different company with a different brand identity, with a different task, with a different goals, etc. Exactly. But yeah, so no, it all speaks for for freelancing, I would say. You know, definitely. Yeah. And um, what's your take on with the graduates? You just briefly spoken that like um, there's a startup community. Have you guys done any outreach uh, programs specifically to the universities um, to show, yeah, to market essentially that these are the services that are available, the roadmap to it, you know, prior to even graduating, yeah. which. Um, yeah, what are I'm glad you mentioning. I'm glad you mentioning because I just I actually did publish an article about that just this morning, um, yeah. and uh, Anisha Peters from from UNAM um, was also adding um, her comment in that article. And yeah. so until now, there has been too few entrepreneurial development coming out of university. So the cur- yeah. curricula, I think, the traditional curricula has been quite old-fashioned in many ways yeah and by the way this is also like germany right i'm not only talking now maybe i hear but when i went to uni like this just having in a, a class on entrepreneurial um, development or how an entrepreneurial mindset works or something would have been super super valuable for me um, yeah. but i didn't you know you would maybe get it when you studied business if ever but I think across the sectors, you know, it is very, very important. So the universities now from, from we experience are really um, waking up to that, you know. Yeah. They realize that the country cannot support only having people trained to be uh, working in the public sector when, you, when they graduate. That, that can't be their goal, right? <laughs> or it shouldn't be, at least you would show you would want to show the, the full variety of possibilities that, that are awaiting you as you come out of university. And one of those could be if you have a great idea, if you, you may have already developed that idea while at university. So why don't you start it um, even while you're studying or why don't you pursue the career of an entrepreneur, right? And I feel like as a career option, it's uh, it hasn't been named often as such it's like so what do you want to be a lawyer uh, uh, i don't know a yeah. doctor etc but it, usually you're like so what you wanted you want to be an entrepreneur it's usually not on the list at least you know it's like only the traditional okay. i'd say uh, professions um so having said that it's changes it's changing you know we see more programs coming out of university now um they're asking us for support which is absolutely great um the university of namibia has started a ai like their own uh, first incubator to really develop ideas coming out of university already at an early stage and yeah uh, yeah, a lot more frequently they're, they're starting to pull us in which is absolutely fantastic and we, on the other hand, have really realized that if we're starting only to work with people that are already on the job market, it's almost too late. You need, exactly. especially for a small country like Namibia, you would need these kids, you know, such amazing talent currently at university. Right. So you need to unlock that at an earlier stage. Otherwise, yeah, we, we won't have enough 
young entrepreneurs yeah it's as simple as that exactly and i love you you said something really important um an entrepreneur the mindset of an entrepreneur and going back again to what you said about the differences between an sme and a startup the way for example the mindset behind founders for startups you know because you know these acceleration you need to you need to work at a faster space at a faster pace to prove traction and to validate your your, your idea right so what if there was also in a giving this away again what if there was a, a, um, a possibility of having a startup curricular purely to you know and I'm talking the f- first year level of university mm-hmm. um, to already start having the mindset sh- the yeah the mindset Absolutely. shift in terms yeah because yeah. if we are talking about a four year program and let's suppose that you're starting now or most people because you have prerequisites for courses and you probably only get to now hear about startup ecosystems and entrepreneurial things within your third year it may be a little bit too late yeah. in my opinion but if we yeah. started off for example in the first year particularly tailoring the curriculums to um yeah pursuing ideas from a startup yeah from a startup uh, point of view I think that that may give us a little bit of um this is obviously not uh, the hypothesis but it may give us a little bit more better results at the end of a person's um, academic journey and then when they already graduated they have the idea or if you have an idea you already know how to you know to get yourself in that thinking that type of thinking to say that okay the idea is there but I need to also you know you need to put some Oh, yeah, speed to your idea, so to speak. Okay. And that's really way. Yeah. Yeah. No, two things I just wanted to add. I think you're you're absolutely right. Uh, one thing is we must not forget that this entrepreneurial mindset will be yeah. valuable for you, no matter what you are doing afterwards. Like right. you can become yes. a project manager with Namibia Breweries and having learned how to critically think, how to yes. start thinking in problem and solution and how to then tackle that, that will help you with any project that you're running, be it within an organization or be it starting your own organization, right? So that I think is very, very important um, to to be taught, you know? Um, Exactly. That for once and definitely at an early stage. And there's um, also an organization that you might be interested in speaking to. It's called Ambitious Africa. And they do exactly that. Um, They started in Finland and they developed at a Finnish uh, university, it's one of the best Finnish um, business schools, a um, very hands-on practical entrepreneurship course. And they are now implementing this course, which has achieved the highest ranking um, ever at that university you know, the ranking wow. from the students that, that gave feedback after the course. Um, exactly. So they're now starting to implement this course all over Africa. And um, it fits in any within any field of study. That's another beautiful thing, right? Yeah. Um, you, you don't really only have to look at the business students, for example, even in architecture, exactly. even in design. It will help you with anywhere. So yeah, I, it's a big it's a big thing for me to really 
Um, yeah, start also getting the word out to university students, engaging them more. Uh, we know yeah. they're starting to come also to our events, so they're starting to be really interested. Um, and yeah, we just need to see that that more of them uh, are taking that leap of faith and taking yeah. are willing to take the risk and are really, really working on solutions that are um, of help for the whole country. You know, that's another thing that I think um, that innovation part with, with a, within a startup definition is so important because exactly. um, SMEs, you know, they will be your, I don't know, gas station in the corner, your little supermarket, whatever. It will not yeah. per se or by definition be something new. But we yeah. need those guys and girls that are really working that are really looking at the challenges that this country is facing and are like, look, let us look into solutions and let us find innovative ways, um, you know, in, let's say, the field of agriculture for water irrigation when you have a drought, etc. You know, um, exactly. there's so many things to be tackled and uh, it would be great if, uh, yeah, those bright minds that are there, you know, in numbers, exactly. uh, that we would get them to represent head around those challenges exactly and you also said another thing that's very important teaching teaching students to to, to be critical thinkers because in as much as um you know, creativity is a bound it needs to be unlocked and how do you unlock that you know yeah. it's in looking at a problem not from you know a direct view of it but really imagining how the solution would, would come about and I think that's really important to propel us as Namibians particularly um, forward. And we are a very small country. We have immense potential. And the educating part of it is so, so, so important, so, so crucial. And also just seeing the holistic picture as to how your idea could possibly propel further, further than Namibia. Absolutely. So You have to. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you start a business in Namibia, you have to think beyond borders right away. You know, exactly. but um, yeah, it's it's absolutely possible. And yeah. I mean, even talking universities would almost be a, a little too late. But if we're really frank, you know, and this is um, right. we would we would have to look into high school uh, curriculum as well. And um, exactly in Germany, for example, I had the pleasure to attend a startup weekend that um, that was organized wow. for. 10 to 14 year olds wow. and so they would arrive on a friday and they would leave on a sunday and it absolutely blew my mind how these kids wow. over the course of a week a weekend you know would yeah. start develop solutions to problems would then form groups you know would decide yeah. okay we want to work on this we want to work on this and on sunday when they were pitching to us i mean this was wow. insane they were 13 years old they had developed yeah. all like but including a logo a brand identity everything it was they were wow. so switched on you know it was it was so fascinating to see um yeah. so even that would be something to look into in the future you know no definitely and it's just really harnessing the potential of a person's mind we literally have now let's keep saying this within my social circles that we literally have a supercomputer for an organ. So, yeah. you know, and everything that we're trying to mimic technologically is to mimic how our 
natural brain is is wired but there are some things that need to be it needs to be unlocked and if you're starting even starting as early as possible would put you at such a great advantage so and it does a lot yeah. to yourself as well you know if you're talking exactly. personal development learning how to to speak and pitch your own idea become very passionate about it you build a lot of confidence over that process as well like if if you looked at how these kids arrived on on that friday you know how shy they were how you yeah. know they didn't know whether they were at the right spot and then how they came out on stage on sunday it was it was so beautiful exactly. it was really it, it was really something else, so. yeah in um moving to towards uh, the closing remarks um yes. i think you also said so many nuggets like I'm, i'm i'm always eager to learn um from any other person but what you said um they when they with the kids that you spoke of when they arrived they were a bit shy and you know you could see you mentioned that it happened within three days <laughs> imagine it's a little bit of growth that happened already within three days absolutely yeah yeah And in an adult stage, we have people that literally they have amazing ideas, but as you said, it, it needs to. The unfortunate way of actually learning anything is by doing, and most yes. people never get to that stage as an adult. They never get to actually exploring that. Look, let me take the risk and bet on myself. Yeah, I never, for one, personally, um, my own way of growing up, and I, I think I said this to a previous guest. Uh, for the podcast, he made an assumption. He he said actually that no, you are based in Milan, so some to to say that I don't really understand what's happened on the ground. And I was like, no, but I've lived the direct experiences of what it means to you know, for one, looking for a job, the challenges that comes to you know, developing yourself and developing your self confidence, and all that. It, it was in me doing. It was in me writing my own business proposals. When I first started up my company in Namibia, I never, none of those things were taught to me. And it's really what I try to tell everybody that you, you, you can read, you can read so much material, but if you don't apply it, it won't change you. It won't lead up to actually becoming anything.